Alrighty, welcome back to Training Model, the podcast. Um, I had a few people, one person called me a bitch for not calling it team meeting, um, but <laughs> I, I will call it team meeting eventually. But right now, we can have parts of the podcast, which is called the team meeting section. But right now, it is training model. I'm trying to build this brand. I'm trying to grow this website um, and get more people interested in the courses and, and jumping on board with uh, the value and the things that I have to offer. For So for the time being, we are sticking with training model. But thank you very much for checking back in for episode two. I was incredibly nervous for episode one both when I recorded it, which I was explaining at the very start of the first episode, but then also when I had finished editing it um, and then I uploaded it and I wanted to make sure that the upload had work, worked on both Spotify and Apple. So I listened to both the Spotify and the Apple um, uploads and then I listened to it one more time before making it, like putting up some some, some small social content to let everybody know that it's live. Um and I think in that process of me listening to it so many times, I was like, fuck, do I, is this even good? What am I doing? Um, are people going to enjoy this? Like, um, I think I kind of just like overwhelmed myself with listening it to, to it so many times. So um, the great thing is the feedback was awesome. Really, really positive. Um, probably had like 15 to 20 people reach out. Um, specifically, and uh, a lot of the discussions were arounding some of those pregnancy things and, and, and all of that sort of stuff, which is really good. Again, I said this last time in last week's episode, but I do want to be a little bit more personal with um, this podcast. It, it's not strength culture. It's not any of that big stuff. It's, it's really just me and what I'm doing and what I'm up to and what's interesting me. Um, obviously, a lot of that is going to be strength culture and business and and all the fun stuff that I have coming up with training model. But for the most part, it's it's really just a podcast around me, my life and what I'm doing and all of that sort of stuff. So I do plan on being a little bit more personal with things. So I, I thank you very much um, to everybody that did reach out. If you haven't checked out episode one, please go back and check out episode one before you listen to this one. But um, today's uh, episode, I've got a couple of questions that have come through, um, which we will get to towards the end. Um, but Today's episode is going to be around um, three things that have changed my reality in business. And this is over the last couple of years. And I framed it in reality uh, specifically because I can't tell you how many times, and I'm sure this probably rings true to you, or it may not actually, but how many times I've been in situations where um, objectively things are going fantastic. Business is growing. Um Maybe, maybe we're seeing an increase in revenue, we're seeing profit growth, we're seeing our efforts rewarded and we're putting in good things and objectively things are moving in the right direction. However, there is still this like subjective reality, this world that's inside my head that I still feel like, um, I still feel like, not that we're failing, but I've, I still feel like that things aren't going as well as it should be, or I'm still stressed or I'm still anxious around certain things happening within business. And objectively, we're ticking goals, but subjectively, I'm, I'm in a bit of a anxious state. And that's why I've framed this discussion today as three things that have changed my reality, because I think my reality is more subjective than what just the objective world is. First thing is I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, especially young coaches, especially the, the people that I mentor often that come through my courses and all of this sort of stuff, finance is 
um, a key part of stress. And fundamentally, you're in business to make money. We all are. Like it, it took me a couple of years to sort of get over that, that sort of hurdle to just publicly say that, or and not just publicly as in like put it out there, but just like in my head, just be like, no, I'm doing this to make money. This is why we're in business. This is why I have all this stress and anxiety, and I take the risk that I do, and I invest, and I do all of this sort of stuff is so that we can eventually grow our profit margins and grow our absolute profit and and be able to support my life long term like that is what a business is for we're not a non 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 for profit sorry um so um the first thing and again this is where i see a lot of young coaches come in is that they don't have a finance system they don't firstly they they more often than not have the attitude that I'm no good at finance or I will never get good at finance or it's not about the money for me. Um, that's the first sort of hurdle that we need to get over, which is that you may not be good at finance right now, but at some point you have to tackle that challenge and become better at managing money, proactively planning for things like tax, GST, superannuation, supporting yourself long-term. If you plan on having employees, supporting them long-term and their aspirations and their goals. Um, This finance attitude must change. And for me, thankfully, it changed about 12 months before COVID hit. Um, And the reason it changed for me, uh, I haven't even got into the first lesson that changed my reality, but um, thankfully for me, my my attitude towards finance shifted at the start, about 12 months before COVID. And the reason it, it came was because I got hit with yet another GST bill that I wasn't ready for. Um, I... I didn't understand how GST worked. I never even understand what the fuck GST was. Um, I didn't even understand how how business tax works and how profit works and how if you if you actually generate profit and carry that profit into the new financial year, that is when you get taxed as opposed to GST, which is more often than not taxed quarterly, depending on when you sign up and all of that sort of stuff and the size of your business. But I digress. Um. And all of this, like, I, I guess it's just unknown around finance was causing me so much stress. Like, I just had no idea what was going on. I had no idea when new bills were going to come in, um, new large bills. Like, I knew when the small things were happening, but when the big things were happening, I had just no idea. I was 25, 26 years old. I just started the gym or two or three years in, Um and I was just building this thing and growing and trying to get new clients. And that was my main focus. But um, as a result of that, with a growing business, it, it becomes all of a sudden this finance management becomes such an important thing for you to get a grasp on. And I got this huge GST bill. I didn't have the money. Um, and I remember just f- at that point, I felt like if if someone had was just going to take this business off me and I didn't have to deal with all of this and I didn't have to deal with this stress and this anxiety and all of this sort of stuff around growth and money and I probably would have just given my business away and I've said that multiple times on a few seminars that we've done but I was it was like rock bottom for me with strength culture objectively we were growing uh, our brand was growing our impact was growing I was selling seminars I I think I had even just done a seminar to Sydney like an interstate one of my first interstate seminars with Charlie we did one up at City Strength I had done all of these really positive things and doing objectively fantastic things but subjectively my subjective world was just riddled with anxiety and stress 
And I looked back at that process and then th- thankfully um, a mentor of mine told me to read the book Profit First, which is what we're going to get into now. But um, I look back at that time and I just can't believe how how avoidant I was to actually taking control of what was what is the most important thing with business and that is the the management of finance the management of money understanding expenses understanding revenue understanding profit understanding tax gst and super understanding how the australian tax brackets work i couldn't believe and i and now i look back and think how stupid i was but how naive I was to think that making more personal money just means that I get taxed at a higher amount. It doesn't work that way. Um, Not understanding GST and thinking that just expenses just knock down your tax and how much tax you pay. It doesn't work that way. Um, Not understanding how important setting my own personal wage was for myself um, because my wage as a whole is one of the biggest expenses at the business has because I pay myself a good amount of money. So not understanding that and, and, and stabilizing my wage meant that I could stabilize the business expenses, which meant, I, which meant I could set a proactively planned target for profit generation, which then f- leans into actually triggering reinvestment strategies that work rather than just create stress. When you think about, I need to spend $2,000 a month on this new thing if you've got a very healthy uh, profit margin, all of a sudden you can do that without stressing and thinking that I'm just going to lose this money and it's from a place of scarcity. So the first thing that changed my reality on profit, uh, sorry, on, on finance was this profit first mindset, which is fundamentally how I now run um, the entire uh, business that is strength culture from a from a finance perspective and i would highly recommend checking out the book um just be be wary that it is an american book so the tax brackets the numbers around tax the numbers around um gs there is no gst that 10 percent sort of buffer doesn't really come into the play and all of that sort of stuff so um go into it with an understanding of that that it is an american standardized book but um the concept the key concept that is profit first is that um Again, number one, we are in business to make money and that is not a bad thing. You should not be afraid to, to think that, whether or not you voice it, but to think that internally. And then number two is that the only way in which a business can generate money is is actually generating profit. And profit is the, the main thing that a business should be worried about. It's not revenue. It's not driving up revenue. And you see all these people say, oh, I've, I make $250,000 revenue and all of this sort of stuff. It doesn't matter because if you make $250,000 worth of revenue, but you have $250,000 worth of expenses, it doesn't matter that you made $250,000 of revenue. You've lost all your money. You've spent all your money. You've got no money left over. Profit is really, it's, it's the non-vanity metric of, of what is actually important. It's, it's, it's like, I like to think about it as oxygen within the system. Profit is oxygen within your business system. We all know as coaches and exercise enthusiasts and training enthusiasts that if a system doesn't have oxygen within it, you are just going to uh, feel stressed. You're going to make poorer decisions, make make your motor control goes down, your um, your response time, your decision-making, all of these sort of things just drop because the, the system is under stress. That is the exact same thing with a system that doesn't have a healthy, profitable margin in front of it. 
that profit allows the business to breathe. It gives it oxygen. It gives it opportunity. It means you can be a little bit more delayed and thoughtful with your decision-making rather than be anxious and scarce with your decision-making. Profit is what drives this whole system to actually be beneficial for you, the business owner. So um, fundamentally, the thing that changed my reality around all of the finance stress and all of the finance um, anxiety that I had was a, a grasp that profit is the most important thing. And I often find myself losing uh, losing sort of focus of that. However, as soon as I come back and ground myself in that idea and that direction and re-look at the numbers and reset it and set a new target and... Um, sort of identify, all right, what is available to spend in this process with um, marketing or content creation or travel or any of these sort of things. As soon as I ground myself back into that profit mindset, often my anxiety just leaves. Um, and, and that is my first thing that changed my reality within business. So I'd highly recommend checking that. If some of that stuff that I spoke about, not understanding tax brackets, GST, superannuation is another really important thing to grasp if you're a sole, if you work for yourself and run your own business. But supporting yourself, your business should support you long-term as an employee. You are in a very unique position where you are a CEO, you manage the direction of a business and your decisions ultimately make the final call of what happens. But you're also in this position where you work for the business. You are an employee of the business. Whether or not you have structured like an employee or if you're a sole trader, it doesn't matter. Fundamentally, you are employed by something that is generating money and paying you for your worth. So grasping that idea that you're business should support you long term, all of a sudden make superannuation a no-brainer. You should be paid superannuation. You should be uh, able to take annual leave and take breaks and take public holidays and all of this sort of stuff because you're employed by the business. So um, there's a lot to unpack within there, but that's the first thing that changed my reality on business. And that is a fundamental understanding of finance and profit. So the second thing that has fundamentally changed my reality within business is this idea that content creation is not marketing. Um, and I'm going to tell you a little bit of a case study with this, but um, coming out of COVID, uh, I, I really feel like we just completely uh, changed the way that we were fundamentally operating at Strength Culture from a brand perspective. This is when I stood back. This is when I wanted to sort of take a more sort of like guiding role of brand direction and growing some other opportunities within Strength Culture. Um, and as a result of that, we just went hell-bent on uh, creating just fun, engaging content. And it, it worked really well. It was awesome. Um, so we did the podcast. We were doing hectic eats. We were doing a whole bunch of exciting things around that. Um, and training vlogs and all of that sort of stuff. And it, it was definitely helping us develop our brand, which is something that we want to do long-term. Um, but it coincided with a significant reduction in lead generation, which doesn't really make sense. We're probably getting more views and more uh, eyeballs on us, but it wasn't really converting to actually creating um, like a feasible growth potential for the business. We lost focus on what was really important from a marketing perspective. And that was all this idea that we were just making content. Um, and throughout that process, 
this actually started in October last year, but I've, I've been, I have worked and hired a bunch of marketers and copywriters and people to help us try to better understand how we can use our sort of brand voice to drive more sales and actually increase the size of the business. Um, and it's really taken almost 12 months now for me to really feel like we're starting to, to hit that as we should have been at the start coming out of COVID when we really pushed down that brand thing. And one of the things that has fundamentally changed my reality, so the subjective world, when I get frustrated with content creation and we're not making the progress that I feel like we should be making, even though we're putting in effort, and again, this is probably going to ring true for a lot of coaches out there, especially if you're in the content creation uh, world. But when I, when I, when when the object reality of how the business is tracking does not match my subjective world of what I think we should be getting out of it, something that has changed that reality for me is a, an understanding of the marketing funnel. So what is the marketing funnel? The marketing funnel is, uh, it's a funnel that is broken down into three main areas. We have the top of funnel, the middle of funnel, and the bottom of funnel. Uh, Hattie Suki introduced me to this. So thank you very much to Hattie Suki. Um, but top of funnel being brand awareness and brand identity and, and, and creating sort of connection. I like to think about it as creating connection and relatedness with the people that hopefully will eventually sort of purchase something or be involved within your community and all of that sort of stuff. So that would be top of funnel, brand identity, connection and relatedness. Middle of funnel is positioning yourself as the right person to help the problem. So it's it's not just showing people that there are, so like for strength development, education around like technique and what, what good technique is and how to program and nutritional changes and recovery processes and all of that sort of stuff. That All that education piece and um, sort of, understanding the problem that the client might be facing and then also that you're the right person to be the uh, to be the guide and helping them move through that. That would be our middle of funnel. And then bottom of funnel is more of your sales specific strategies. So it's your offer creation. It's how you sort of um, deliver the language of the offer and the message of the offer, uh, calls to actions, very sales specific for us now at Strength Culture. This bottom of funnel uh, is our ads strategy that Donnie and I have, have decided to undertake ourselves and, and go through that process. Um, but fundamentally, this funnel understanding of content creation and how this strategy actually supports growth rather than just fundamentally making content and just throwing content out into the, into the sphere has changed my reality. When I sit down and I get frustrated with um, with our lack of growth or I get frustrated with the lack of response to whether it's lead generation or conversion or sales or any of that sort of stuff and the objective world is not matching my subjective reality, coming back to viewing the brand strategy, the, the overall content strategy and this entire funnel and what we're doing and how we're hitting certain areas of this funnel within certain pieces of content actually makes me feel way more sort of settled and less anxious and less, less stressed about the future and all of that sort of stuff because I can fine tune and, 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 and build out specific areas within the total strategy that need a focus, that need direction, that need more resources rather than just thinking we need more content, we need more content, we need more content. It becomes a very strategy-based 
approach to, all right, if we try this, this should work. If we do this, this should work. It, it actually allows me to better understand the direction that we need to head. So that is one thing that has changed my reality within business. And that is that, um, that is that just creating content is not marketing. Marketing is way more than that. It's your messaging, it's your offer, it's your tone, it's your language, it's your your top, middle, and bottom funnel strategies. It's it's the the process of getting people on sales calls. All of these sort of things create your entire marketing strategy. Your offer is the, probably the biggest piece to that, and then how you communicate your offer to that. But um, yeah. Content is just one small piece of an overall marketing strategy. Content is not the final boss when it comes to marketing. It's a very small piece and I wish I understood this 24 months ago. Um, Yeah, so uh, that would be the second thing that I have, that has changed my reality with the business. Finally, third and, and final, I think losing, and actually Alex Hormozzi, something that he put up once, uh, he, he, he did the, like this math equation for if you just improve your retention rate, I think he did it by like 5% um, and then doesn't change the variables of, of clients coming in. Obviously, it changed the variables of clients going out, but how much that compounds over time to see a growing business. Um, and this is, I think, something that we lost focus on, especially when we were going through that big push within brand development. I think we lost focus on sort of client retention and we were just thinking, oh, because we're doing all this and we're going to grow and all of this sort of stuff. There'll just be new clients coming in. It doesn't really matter. But I think fundamentally as a coach, retention should always be your sole focus and putting too much focus in trying to attain and attract new clients quite often takes away from the resources and the mental sort of capacity that you have to retain and do a better job with your current clients. Your first focus should be client retention and minimizing your attrition rate. Um, And it's a a huge part of the Business 101 course. Um, That's why I did that Retention 101 seminar uh, with all the the key metrics and data that you should be tracking as a coach to help better understand your retention issues as a coach because I think there's two main metrics that you should be tracking. Um, The first one is just average length of stay. So very easy to, to sort of track, but you just, when a client cancels, you just, determine how long they were with you in weeks and add it to a list of cancelled clients and then you get the average length of stay. That's a really important metric um, and it's probably one of the key metrics that you're trying to grow over time and that is that if you've got an average retention of 22 weeks, how do you make that 32 weeks? What do I need to do with these current list of clients to get them to the 32-week margin. And then once you get to the 32 weeks, how do I get them to 42 weeks? How do I get them to 52 weeks? How do I get my clients to stay longer, continue to show the value of coaching long-term? Not everyone's going to stay that for a long period. We get that. But um, I think it's one of the most important things that you should be looking and focusing your systems development around. The second one is what I like to call as hot drop-offs. So you may have an average retention of 30 weeks, but a lot of your clients might be leaving at week 14 or 16 or something like that. You might have a very high peak of clients leaving after that 10-week period, um, as opposed to all of your clients making it to 30 weeks and then dropping off. The retention can be skewed by these outliers or or conglomerates of people leaving. So I think it's also really important that you track that metric so that you can actually 
determine where your system's development needs to happen from a retention standpoint. So um, yeah, retention should always be the focus um, and it's incredibly valuable to, to learn how to attract new clients and you're not going to grow if you don't learn a system to develop your own leads. It's just not going to happen. If you're just relying on your boss or if you're just relying on the PT manager or anything like that, you're going to struggle to grow um, because not all businesses just have an exponential uh, sort of marketing strategy that just pulls leads in that are engaged and actually want to work with you. Um, Finding systems and strategies for yourself to develop lead generation is really, really important. And no one's going to do that work for you other than yourself. You have to try things. You have to build offers and develop ideas and put yourself out there and all of that sort of stuff. But unless you have a key hot marketing uh, funnel that's really driving hot leads, retention should always be your focus. And, and learning to retain your current clients for longer is going to be really, really important. So um, yeah, it's something that... I lost track on from a business standpoint. And again, that reality shift, the objective versus the subjective world for myself, when I started to really hone in on retention has made me feel a lot more secure and stable within the direction and the growth potential of what we're doing. So that would be the third and final thing. So number one is going to be finance and getting a better grasp of finance and learning to proactively plan and manage profit uh, and everything that comes along with a profitable business. Number two is this whole content creation versus marketing strategy sort of discussion. Marketing is way more than just what you produce as content. Your content is a small piece of your overall marketing strategy. And then number three is just losing focus on retention. Retention should always be the key thing that you're focusing on as a coach and as a business owner, as a gym owner. So focusing on how can I improve both my average length of stay, but then also these improvements of these hot drop-off areas within your business as well. So they're the three main things. And it would be stupid of me not to plug this, but all of these ideas are covered deeply within Business 101. Um, I, I, the, the four, I have four main modules, but three of the main modules, number one is marketing and actually building out and understanding your offer and your, your client avatar and, and building content and, and language that that sort of speaks directly to those people. Number two is sales. We didn't talk about sales today, but number three is retention and all the metrics and the key data is all that stuff that I just discussed is all in there to help you. I have spreadsheets included so you can manage and get this data and learn to track it ongoing. Um, that's included in the course as well. And then finally finance, all of my both personal and business structures and systems for finance are included within Business 101. Spreadsheets, uh, additional resources, homework tasks that help you build the systems so that you can remove this stress and anxiety that I have often been uh, sort of overcome by in the development of my business. So uh, learn from me, learn from my mistakes with the discount of team meeting, one word. Uh, it's just $675 upfront. It's really not that much when you think about how much this has potential to improve your development and your growth of your business. So it's a no-brainer. Uh, business 101, it's the first link down below. Team meeting to save $75 on either the upfront or the payment plan. Um, there's 16 coaches already involved in that. Uh, everybody's working through the course and it's been awesome to see and I'm, I'm sure that these guys are going to see some great growth as a result of undertaking Business 101. So please check that out. Let's move on to, um, let's move on to questions from, from the team. People, first up, 
Michael Rakic, Rakic, uh, first person to come through the website, which we love. I had a few people message me uh, in the DMs, but you can contribute to the podcast via uh, one of the links in my bio, or if you go onto the trainingmodel.com.au website, there's a section there where you can click on podcast and contribute to the podcast. The first one from Michael Rakic, though, is managing large expectations and the speed of results with new clients. So, I used to, uh, in the first intake of the CDP, the online CDP, I had three main pillars um, that sort of dictate the environmental success of a relationship, uh, uh, irrespective, sorry, of whether or not it's with a client and a coach or whether it's with you, with an accountant or whether it's with you and your partner or any of that sort of stuff. And managing expectations was one of those key pillars um, that I think is the one of the most important things to see the success of the relationship uh, un, under, undertaken improve and, and, and the outcomes improve and all of that sort of stuff. So managing expectations is huge. We see it in the research for pain uh, and how... Um, and how it like dictates sort of like timelines and time frames for pain and rehabilitation and all of that sort of stuff. And I think anecdotally, we've probably all been in situations where we can we can feel and experience how the management of somebody's expectations of what is about to happen changes fundamentally the the objectivity of what it, it happens in front of us. You see it all the time with like a coach just giving you a little bit of support and a little bit of like a G up and changing your understanding of what your potential is and all of a sudden it reflects in the process of lifting higher loads, lifting faster, uh, hitting PRs and all of that sort of stuff. That is all just changing of expectations. Um, and this is hugely supported by BPS research. Um, I personally think um, an active approach to pain, uh, which is a, a research paper that talks about the coupling of individuals and how they sort of collide and interact and 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 as a result of that coupling, that change to those two individuals um, as a response to that coupling uh how all of that is sort of precursed or like preempted by the prediction or the expectation of what is about to happen within that collision. That's how I sort of frame it. Um, so yeah, expectation and managing expectation is huge within this BPS world. We're going to chat about BPS stuff without a doubt on the training model podcast, but, um, how can you, what can you actually do with clients that have, um, sort of, unwarranted expectations it's it's probably not going to happen i'm sure we've been in that sort of situation and i think a lot of this comes down to framing things internally for yourself as top down and bottoms up so top down being very rigid proactive planning structured sort of things and then being bottoms up being a little bit more in the process being reactive being a little bit more open to change and modifying and and sort of just seeing how things go so with these sort of people that have these very um, outlandish expectations of outcomes, we have two options. We can have a very bottoms-up option, which is telling them, "Hey, uh, I think that might be a little bit, um, a little bit outlandish. I wouldn't use that word, but I think, hey, um, we might need to manage this expectation of how quick this result's going to be. Let's just see what we can do and build a process from there. That would be one way in which we could try to help this person. The other way is actually giving them, telling them, yes, your expectations are, are probably not going to come 
to fruition, but giving them maybe a couple of new stretch goals to work towards and a, a bit more of a rigid structure, a little bit more of a top-down approach might be a better strategy for these people. Maybe they are outwardly goal-driven. Maybe they do want to see objective results. Maybe a common situation with this would be that if they are um, in a nutritional undertaking, maybe being a little bit more aggressive initially with a calorie deficit or some of those strategies to get them some early wins so that they can feel that success and that momentum actually to, to, to drive and rise through them rather than taking a more bottoms-up approach and just building things out slowly and seeing how we're going, seeing how we react. So a lot of these sort of expectation management strategies comes down to how we're communicating to the person what our endeavor is actually for them. So whether it's a very top-down, more rigid, more structured strategy, or whether it's a more bottoms-up, more free-flowing, more reactive strategy is going to be sort of the direction that I play. And with somebody that has more, that have really large expectations, yes, we need to manage that, but maybe giving them a little bit more of a stretch goal and and breaking that global goal down into more structured, smaller things might be better for that person because they're obviously motivated by that external stuff. So we should actually lean into that personality trait. And I think that's a lot of what this BPS sort of stuff can actually teach us within, within client management. So... Thank you very much for setting that in. That top-down and bottoms-up sort of conversation is also something that we're going to be heavily discussing over the next few weeks without a doubt. Uh, and then finally, um, uh, I've got a question. Uh, again, it's on golf, which we love. I love talking about golf. Would you ever try to capture some of the golf S&C market? Uh, I don't think so. I, I myself may make some golf-related content just because it's of interest to me. Um Actually, moving back to the end of episode one, uh, where I got asked whether or not, uh, what is my end goal within business? And I, and I said, I think it, uh, fundamentally it is. I just want my my staff and, and the team of us to never feel like we are restricted and never feel like we've got a cap on what our potential is and our capacity is. And there's always options for us to move and navigate. That is really my end goal and just continue to build strength culture and let it go wherever it wants to go. But Secondary to that, I would love to be in a position at some point where I could make golf content and people are interested in me making golf content. I think that would be really cool. Um, So at some point, I'll probably make some golf content uh, on the course stuff more than likely, but also just in the gym training related things. Um, So would, but would I ever try to capture some of the S&C market of golf? No, I don't think we ever will. I think it's too far removed from the crux of what we do. But I myself will probably end up making some golf content along the way. But thank you very much for checking in uh, for episode number two of Training Model. I felt like there was some extra rambling in there. When I edit this back, I'm sure I'll probably cut a couple of pieces out. But um, again, thank you very much for checking this out. Uh, if you did enjoy it and if you find value in it, I would jeez me up if you share it on social media and tag me. Share it with another coach or another PT who might find value in these conversations. That will mean the world to me. Number two is please check out Business 101. If any of those sort of reality shifts for myself ring true for you, I'm confident and I'm, I can guarantee that the course is going to help you with all of those subjective feelings and those shifts in your reality. So check out Business 101. Team meeting will give you $75 off for uh, either the upfront or the payment plan uh, or one word team meeting. And then finally, you can contribute to the podcast 
podcast, you can either just send me a DM um, or you can jump through the website and fill out the form, uh, both of which are fine because I want to continue to keep this conversation open and this meeting open within everybody that's checking this out. So thank you very much for checking this out. I'm keen for next week and uh, we'll see you next week.